Well, good evening. We are thankful that you are here this evening, especially to the visitors who are in our midst. We'll call out a couple of them here. The, the McDade family is with us tonight. If you've never had a chance to meet them, uh, Jason is here supporting the work that their family does as part of the ethical media group that they run. Uh, several of you are familiar with that. I've tried to share some of the uh, slides from the PowerPoint that they put together in our Wednesday night class as we've covered an overview of the Bible. It's actually thinking, Jason, too, I cover a book a month uh, here. We have a book of the month club, we call it. And uh, as we've talked about some of those, we've used some of those up here and tried to always give them the credit for the work that they have done. And we want to continue to support them in that. And if you have a chance, uh, get to say hello to them as we finish up with our services here tonight. But we're, all, we're thankful that all of you are here this evening. Uh, and we're looking forward to a few moments of study together and then certainly a good time of fellowship here in just a few moments as we are finished. If you're with us this morning and you know what we've been promoting, we said that we were going to begin a month-long study of the book of Luke in, con in conjunction with our last leaders program and our young people studying Luke as we look forward to the convention and the things that they've been doing. Well, this is not going to be a study of Luke tonight. Uh, we are going to go ahead and continue the two series we've been doing, one being our one-word study and the other being our Book of the Month Club. We're going to save the Book of the Month for the end of the month. I think we're ready for Nehemiah is where we're up to. So we'll have some Luke lessons on Sunday night in between these two lessons, but I wanted us to stay on track as we've been doing one of these a month. We're ready to move on to the next section, actually, in this particular study. Uh, if you recall, back uh, over a year ago, we started looking at some big picture words. We talked about sin. We talked about grace. Then we moved on for several months in what was categorized in the book as Christian character. We talked about holiness. We talked about things that we should practice in our lives. But we're now ready to move on to the third section of the book, and that is called Last Things. Last Things. And so we're going to begin a study tonight looking at judgment, but we're also going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to talk about heaven and hell as well as hope. All of those, the group, or again, the writers of this connected to talking about last things. And so I think it's important as we consider that, that we think about uh, this important topic tonight. And as you see on the screen there, this is supposed to be a weekly study, but we have been looking at it as a monthly study, just taking one word a month. And so we're going to begin tonight talking about last things by talking about the idea of judgment. Now, there was a recent show that was on television. It was pretty popular, like many shows on television. Unfortunately, I wouldn't recommend it to you because of several moral reasons. But this show, if you, if you ever read about it in the news or saw it uh, promote on television or talked about it on a particular show, it carried a tagline, and the tagline was, Winter is coming. Well, the Bible is very clear that judgment is what truly is coming Judgment is coming. In fact, the eternal judgment is one of the foundational teachings of Christianity. The Hebrew writers, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter six, Hebrews chapter six and verses one and two talks about some elementary principles, some elementary principles. And one of the things that's listed there in that section is eternal judgment. That's something that we should understand. In both the Old Testament and the New Testaments, the reality and certainty of final judgment is revealed. So it's important for us tonight that we consider this idea that, yes, judgment is coming. Now, as we usually do, this is a word study, so we'll talk about a few of the words that are used in the Bible. I will then properly butcher their pronunciation in front of you, uh, but let's talk about a few of those tonight. When we go to the Old Testament and we talk about Hebrew the Hebrew terms, one of those is Shaphat. 
Uh, it means to judge or to govern. If you have your Bibles, you can look in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse number 4. Isaiah 2 and verse number 4. Isaiah 2, 4 says, He shall judge, Shaphat. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. The verb, this verb is commonly used to describe the carrying out of judicial decisions. So we understand, and we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight, but in judgment, we think a lot of our justice system, the judicial system, and making a judgment. And this is certainly one of the verbs that is used in the Hebrew to describe that. Another uh, word that is used is mishpat. If you've got your Bible, you can stay in Isaiah and look in Isaiah chapter 34 and verse number 5. Isaiah 34 and verse number 5. Mishpat is used to describe judgment, again, or justice. We see overlap as we talk about these words a lot of times. This term is often used to express both the attribute of justice as well as the execution of judgment in litigation. Isaiah chapter 34 and verse number 5. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven, indeed it shall come down on Edom and on the people of my curse for judgment. Again, the attribute of justice as well as the execution of judgment in litigation. So here we see the idea that for judgment, this moment that is talked about in the Old Testament. One more as we think about the Hebrew again in the Old Testament, there is a word here, and if you have your Bibles, you can go back to Isaiah chapter 2. We are going to stay in Isaiah for all the Old Testament words here. You may be familiar with the first part of that. It's Yom. We've talked about that when we looked at the word day a while back, when we looked at the book of Genesis and what the term day means when it comes to scientific things and the way the Bible uses it. And then the second word that you'll find there is Yehovah or Yahweh. We use it again different ways or kind of uh, described in different ways there. But this is, of course, literally the day of the Lord or the day of Yahweh. And Isaiah chapter 2, continuing on through that chapter in verses 12 through 14, for the day of the Lord, the Yom Yehovah, Yom Yahweh of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lined up, and it shall be brought low, upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan, upon all the high mountains, and upon all the hills that are lifted up. And we'll pause right there for our time tonight. But the term the day of the Lord occurs throughout the Bible referencing or referring both to the impending historical judgments from God. We've been talking a little bit about this or kind of getting into it a little bit when we've been looking at the Old Testament on Wednesday nights. If you've been with us in the auditorium, we've been covering Roger Campbell's book, A General Overview of the Bible. And we begin to see the children of Israel move from Exodus or move from Egypt through Exodus out of Egypt and through the promised land. And we're beginning to set up the United Kingdom and then move into the divided kingdom pretty soon. But we understand the historical judgments that take place from God. And so sometimes the day of the Lord is used to describe that. Other times it is used to describe his final judgment at the end of time, but at the heart of this term is divine action. You see, when we talk about judgment, and tonight we're going to talk about God's judgment a lot, but we talk about the word judge and the way that our world uses that today, and we get a little afraid of it or we don't want to talk about it. People say, you can't judge me. 
But what I'd hope that you would take tonight and think about from this lesson is the idea when we talk about judgment and we're looking at what the scripture says, at the heart of this is the divine action. I'm not perfect. I can take God's word. The elders can take God's word and try to make decisions and make judgment upon things. But we're talking about the divine action, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is indicative of those times when God would break into time and act in human history. Israel, of course, is going to see this more often than we see it today or than we understand today uh, as we say it. Because we think about the way that he interacted uh, with, of course, the fathers as well as the children of Israel and through Moses and then on down through the Old Testament history. So those, uh, those are some of the brief, uh, brief description of some of the words that are used in the Hebrew. Let's move forward, of course, though, to the Greek and the New Testament. Uh, when we think about some of the New Testament words that are used, if you've got your Bible, turn over to John chapter 12. The Gospel according to John, John chapter 12 and verse number 48. Esatahimera, or at least something close to that there. Esatahimera is, again, a two words that are used that are going to connect for us the idea of last day. Last day. This phrase is used to indicate the final day when God will judge the world. John chapter 12 and verse number 48. Jesus says, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. The phrase that we find here as we think about some of the Greek words that are used. You see a connection here. Hymera, Hymera Curio, the day of the Lord. And this phrase, if you've got your Bible, you can look in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. You're familiar with this section. 2 Peter 3.10 to find this idea of the day of the Lord. Similar phrase from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew, because we know verse number nine, right? We're all familiar, even if I get you started. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, right? We're thankful for that, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward or toward us, not willing that any should perish. We're thankful. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But verse number 10 continues on, but, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. We're familiar with what follows after that. This refers to the time when the Lord appears to carry out final judgment and vindication here with these words that are used in 2 Peter 3.10. One more set of words here. Uh, if you've got your Bible, you might look in the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew. It begins in chapter 5 and verses 21 and 22. Jesus begins to talk about this upside-down kingdom that we talked about this morning in our lesson on Luke, that things are different than the world expects them to be. He talks about and begins to turn on its head, if you will, the Old Testament. You have heard it said that you shall not murder, but he begins these, these phrases of you have heard it said, and then in verse 22 of Matthew 5, but now I say unto you, Whoever is angry with his brother without cause. We think, of course, primarily in this passage about those this, who would look upon a woman. Now, you have heard it said, not commit adultery, but now I say unto you. And here in verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, we see the word judgment, krino, that is used here. Another passage that we are very, 
very familiar with, of course, from this section is Matthew chapter 7 and verses 1 and 2. Now, this last word on the screen here in Greek, krino, is the most, uh, the verb that describes the act of carrying out the judicial process, and it is the most widely used terms of the New Testament. 114 times, if my reading or research is correct, about 114 times. And in Matthew 7 and verse 1, the world can quote it, judge not that you be not judged, but in verse number two there, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is the verb here, crino, the idea of making a judgment. And there's, there's various forms of this that are used throughout the New Testament. But for our, the sake of our time tonight, we'll stop right there with doing some of the word study. But this is the one that is used the most and carries with it the act of making a judgment. Uh, as I've shared with you before, this is a two-book series here in looking at the one-word study. One of those books is a, a devotional book. I'd like to share with you a couple of those thoughts. If you've got your Bible tonight, you can be turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. Now this is the place, this is the passage that many of us consider. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ... So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The devotional thought that is carried with this particular day is, like it or not, this is the passage. Like it or not, this is the phrase. This is the, these are the words that are used by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We don't like to be judged sometimes. And, and it's kind of human nature. We don't like to be judged. But can you hear that through the centuries of time and really through the passages of the Bible? Listen to some of the familiar occasions that you know. Don't judge me. The woman that you made gave me the fruit, said Adam. Don't judge me. The serpent deceived me, said Eve. Don't judge me. I just threw the gold in and out came the calf. Aaron said, and we've talked about that particular passage a lot. We talked about one in here on Wednesday night, if you're with us. The sons of Eli, don't judge me. My dad neglected me, the sons of Eli could said. Don't judge me. She was really attractive, David might say to someone. Don't judge me. We gave part of the money, Sapphira might say. Don't judge me. I'm only human, Peter might answer. And even again, as we've talked about a lot on Wednesday night, don't judge me. I only took a little, Achan might say. We don't like to be judged, but the truth of the matter is we will all be judged someday by the judge of all the earth. And no excuse or word will stand next to his judgment. It will be right. It will be just. And it will be final. So, of course, the next time that you believe judgment to be harsh or wrong or unfair, let it serve as a reminder of that day when all judgment will be right and all will be judged like it or not. You see, tonight, tonight's lesson is kind of interesting. It's, it's one of those that can kind of get into us a little bit if we're not careful, and rightfully so. We need the reminder to think about judgment as we conclude the lesson in just a minute, we'll really, of course, try to drive that home as we extend heaven's invitation. But like it or not, there will be a judgment. The world doesn't want to hear it. And if we're being 100% truthful, some days we don't want to hear it. That somebody might tell us 
The final judge might tell us that what we're doing is sinful and wrong, but hopefully tonight and going through this week, we will remember that I will ultimately be judged by a supremely righteous judge. Another thought here for you, for your consideration, John chapter 7 and verse number 24. John 7 and verse number 24. As we think about the idea of righteous judgment, right? People say, well, judge not that you be not judged. That's what the world kind of tosses it out at us. We talk about righteous judgment. And then in John 7, 24, Jesus says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Think about that word for just a moment. Even as we think about our English language and the way that we use it. As a verb, the word judge means to form an opinion or conclusion about something. To form an opinion or a conclusion about something. So it's interesting to consider you have already and even will still today issue judgments. We all will. We awake in the morning. We awake to the morning weather report and we judge whether we will wear a jacket or not. Travis already told me he put one on this morning to leave. It was 28 degrees and he was hot by the time he got here, right? Because we judge from the weather report whether or not we need to wear a jacket. We listen to the news and judge our stance on a particular report. We look in the mirror and we judge our own selves. Should we go to the gym or enjoy another bite of cake and ice cream tonight when we're done in a few minutes we walk down the sidewalk with our child and see a person who might strike fear in our minds we make a judgment on the way that they're looking and whether they might do something to us we see the trailer to a new movie or a show and judge if it is one to which we should take take our children or even see ourselves we all make judgments but we live in a world who has created an inability to judge which is leading us to become a culture of the ridiculous, if you will. Consider a study that was done by the Family Policy Institute of Washington, where a young white male reporter interviewed students asking for their reaction to him when he said first he was an Asian woman, then a seven-year-old, then a six-foot-five-inch person. He was obviously none of those things, but the students struggled to say he was lying incorrect or even not one of those things our desire to be non-judgmental began with letting each person believe as they wish and has led us to the ludicrous and the ridiculous so much that sometimes today people of course will argue that two plus two is seven and someone's going to say well who are you to judge me we've created this culture and the world has created this culture that makes it difficult how utterly foolish and even dangerous it sounds to us sometimes. Any clear thinking person is aware of the obvious necessity of judging. To deny that is to prove your own senselessness, silliness, or stubbornness, the writer here says. The challenge of scripture and the challenge of Christians is to judge righteously. To make judgments by the Bible. And again, now we're separating somewhat, obviously here, from the final judgment of the day of the Lord. But to make judgments day in and day out, we have to do that. It causes some uncomfortableness. It makes things hard sometimes. People don't want to listen. Family members don't want to hear it. But we have to sometimes go from the word of God, what it says about how we should live and make a righteous judgment in a sense. Tonight, as we sort of begin to wrap up, I want to share some statements with you. Several statements here, and then the lesson will be yours. Number one, there is only one day 
of judgment in the future. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 17. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness in the day of judgment. There is only one day of judgment in the future. Continuing on though, with this sort of natural process, if you will, as you read the Bible and think about these things, moving on, Christ will be the one judge. We've already talked about John chapter 12 and verse number 48. We oftentimes say that we're thankful. God didn't leave us hanging. Jesus didn't leave us scratching our head wondering what was going to be happening. We think about teachers who sometimes will say, write down what we're talking about because this is what you will be tested over. Jesus didn't leave us scratching our heads wondering. Jesus says, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. We've talked for the last few weeks about the importance of the words of Jesus, following after those words. We need to love him. We need to love him. We need to preach Jesus. But we have to think about his words as well, the way that he has told us to live. Christ will be the one judge on that only one day of judgment. Continuing on, all people will be there. All people will be there. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. If you've got the old King James in front of you, you're familiar with it. That, there, that we will judge the quick and the dead. That he will judge the quick and the dead. If you have another version, it may say the living and the dead. But yes, all people will be there. There's no choice. There's no maybe later. There's no I'll pass or I'll wait. I need a little more time. All people will be there on that day of judgment. And that's a fact that we can share with others. That we can try to encourage people with. It's hard sometimes. It's not always easy. People, when they're considering becoming a Christian, don't want to think about the day of judgment. And we understand that. But it's going to be a fact. And these are just a few already here. All people will be there. Moving on or continuing on, our actions will be judged. All people will be there and our actions will be judged. We've talked as well about 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. That we will receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We always appreciate the opportunity to try to paint ourselves in a better light, correct? We think about resumes. Resumes are a great chance to kind of lay out there all the good things that we've done. Please judge me by all the good things that I've done in my lifetime. But of course, as we think about our actions, all of our actions will be judged, both good and the bad. The way that we've lived will be judged. And we need to consider that, of course, as we think about this day. And then we would be reminded as well that God is kind and gracious. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 12, Hebrews 8, 12, the Bible says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. I think I've shared this with you before, but I feel like we struggle with that. Because no matter sometimes what happens, I may look at a person who wronged me and I can tell them I forgive them and I can tell them I'm willing to move on. But a lot of times when I see them even years later in the back of my mind, I think about that. Now, I may not hold it against them. I may walk up and hug them and and be happy to see them and we can move on. But our, our human minds sometimes struggle with this idea of remembering no more. But I think we like that. I think we appreciate that. We're thankful that God is kind and gracious, that he is willing to say something like that, that he will remember our sins no more. And even though we may not be able to accomplish that here upon this earth, we're thankful that we serve a God who is that way. The God of heaven, 
who loves us, who wants us to be with him, who is willing that all should come to repentance. That's the God we've been talking about. We're thankful that he is kind and gracious even on that day of judgment. J.I. Packer, who is a theologian, uh, once wrote this. Run from him now. Run from him now, of course, God. Run from him now and you will meet him as judge then and without hope. Seek him now and you will find him. For he that seeketh findeth, and you will then discover that you, that you are looking forward to that future meeting with joy, knowing that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. We're so thankful to consider something like that, that we can know him now, that we can seek him, we can find him, and we can look forward with joy to that day. Many in the world don't understand that. It's something that we can share as you think about people that you study with, folks that you may be trying to talk to about Jesus and about God. You can share that peace, that joy. And for someone, maybe they'll realize that and be willing to make a change in their life. One final thought here, and the lesson will be yours. When we think about judgment, judgment is a day of calamity as well as a day of deliverance. We talked about an upside down world today. That kind of sounds crazy to us to think about it being both. But we think about those who will be there on that day. All people who will be there on that day to be judged for the unrighteous. Those who do not know God and have not been purchased by the blood of Jesus. This day will be permanently terrifying and horrible. What a consideration. Even as we get ready to conclude our lesson tonight and extend heaven's invitation. What a consideration that this day will be permanently terrifying and horrible for those who do not know God, those who have not been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ, those who have not been purchased by that blood. But for those who have been saved by grace through faith, this very same day will be one that is marked by eternal joy and, and praise. Eternal joy and praise. And it's as simple as that in some ways. As we often talk about in our lessons sometimes, we, we make things complicated. Life gets in the way. Family gets in the way. Our, our thoughts get in the way. And we make it very difficult. But it's as, yet as simple as that. We consider the day of judgment. It can be a day of calamity. It can be a day of deliverance. And as we conclude our thoughts here, we extend heaven's invitation. We ask for you to consider the day of judgment. I appreciate Don taking a look at the lesson and leading some songs tonight. If you've been following along or thinking about it, if you had your bulletin and knew what we were talking about, you've seen the theme through the songs as we have considered that day, considered when Jesus comes. And tonight we will sing this song of encouragement to encourage you that you would leave not worried. Not, not thinking about a day of calamity, not thinking about a difficult day, not thinking about having to shrink back or ask for more time or, or want to, to save it for another time. You can be baptized for the remission of your sins. You can be added to the church by the Lord. You can begin to live faithfully. You can be a part of the body even this night. If you want to know more about it, as we oftentimes try to extend, we would study with you tonight in the coming days as soon as possible because it is the greatest decision. It's not a one-time thing in the sense that you just do it, then you're once saved, always saved, but you can leave with a peace in your life and in your heart. You can begin to live each day a little differently as you think about that burden that's lifted off your shoulder, knowing that if your life were to be required or if the Lord were to return, you don't have to fear 
the day of judgment. Maybe you're here tonight and in times past you've done that, but you've struggled to remain faithful. Maybe you've not thought about the day of judgment in a while. We'll be singing to encourage you as well that you would consider your standing with God, that if you are right in the sight of God, through confession, repentance, and prayer, the way home is made available. We're thankful for a kind and gracious and merciful God. He is willing that all should come to repentance. And tonight, if you need to make a change, would you consider doing it as we stand together and as we sing?